one, two, three. This is Buccaneers Total Access with head coach Todd Bowles. Hey, that's a hell of a job coming down here being a good football team. Three-step drop, throws to the end zone. Caught ball, touchdown Tampa Bay. Mike Evans reaches up with one hand and grabs it in. Brought to you by Advent Health. No matter what helps you feel whole, swimming, laughing, or finding peaceful moments in your day, Advent Health is here to support you with world-class expertise and whole-person care. Because feeling whole always begins at AdventHealth.com. Fire the cannons! Now your host, Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips and head coach Todd Bowles. Welcome into Buccaneers Total Access. We are very excited to have head coach Todd Bowles here with us to celebrate a huge win, division win, heading to the playoffs. So first of all, coach, just congratulations. And, and what were some of the emotions for you after that game? Oh, thank you very much. I'm just happy for the coaches, the players, the management, the scouting department, and the fans, everybody that went through so much in the offseason to say how much how bad we were going to be and how much we stunk and how we didn't have anything going and we were ranked this going into the season and that going into the season but the guys stayed down and they worked everybody stayed the course everybody put in the time nobody listened to the narrative and they came out on top yeah to lose tom brady the 80 million in dead cap you know all these people picking the team to maybe finish 31st in the league to instead finish third straight division title in a row for the first time in team history. Why was this team built to be able to do this, even despite, you know, those the, the naysayers, we, we will call everybody? Heck of a job by the coaches all year, uh, relaying the messages. Heck of a job by the leaders. The leadership on this team was phenomenal with Tristan and Baker and Mike and Chris and Levante and Vita and Winfield, Devin, I mean, it, and Shaq, it goes on and on. And those guys really stayed the course and they stayed up even when we were down and had the losing streak. Those guys stayed the course, corrected the mistakes and turned it around. So we know Baker came in banged up and then looked like he got even a little more banged up uh, during the game. So um, then we saw him get this, you know, gutsy third down conversion on a run. What did this game say about him as a quarterback, knowing especially the physical limitations? It's what he's been doing all year. You know, he's going to win no matter what. It doesn't have to look pretty all the time. He's willing to get his hands dirty and get down there with the offensive linemen. And no matter what went on in the three quarters and the fourth quarter, he's going to come through and get it done for us. And what did you see in his performance kind of knowing that he had those injuries? Uh, what was he kind of able to do? And then what were some of the offensive uh, limitations or struggles that came with it? They did a good job taking away Mike and Chris early, at least down the field, so to speak. And, you know, they, they were jumping a few things and it was hard to get the run game going, especially with Derek Brown up there. But we hung with the program. We hung with we hung with it. And in the fourth quarter, especially with six minutes to go, running the clock out, that was huge for us. Uh, just getting the ball over shot and making some tough runs, that was huge. And uh, how about the offensive line, especially knowing how important it was going to be to protect Baker, that he was a little banged up? How did you feel like they did? For the most part, he had time to throw. I think the sack, they had two or three coverage sacks that they didn't come through clean on, but they did a good job in the run game, especially at the end of the ball game. They did a good job early on trying to protect him. We just had, they had double coverage down the field. And Rashad, just 10 yards shy of 1,000 rushing yards on the season. Um, how did you see him grow over the course of this year? I thought he was pressing hard early in the year, and once he settled down in it, again, his intelligence in the game, the way he was hitting holes and understood where the blocks were going to be, he played so much faster, got him involved in the passing game. He became a real threat in the passing game that opened things up for us down the field, and 
he, he made a lot of plays this year. I'm proud of him. He also um, he also looked a little <coughs> banged up during the game. Uh, <clears throat> as you look at him and Baker going into this playoff game, especially knowing it's going to be Monday night, get an extra day. Uh, what stands out to you about them of how confident you are in their health and, and their situation going into the next game? You know, we played 17, 18 weeks. Everybody's going to be banged up. At this point, you suck it up. And, you know, those guys will be very well rested with the extra day. They'll suck it up and they'll tap it up and go. And then uh, I know that Godwin was able to go over 1,000 yards receiving for the fourth time in his career, breaking a tie with Joey Galloway and Vincent Jackson for the second most 1,000-yard receiving seasons in franchise history, trailing only, of course, Mike Evans. Um, fourth time in five years, he and Mike have both hit 1,000 in the same season. What did you see as the role Chris Godwin was able to end up playing in this offense and to hit that 1,000-yard mark? It plays huge for us, especially when you double Mike. Uh, they double both of them, but they double them differently. And Chris was able to shake free a couple of times, go into motion, make some big catches for us. I mean, he's been doing it all year. Him and Mike is, is the one-two punch that's got to be dealt with. I know he also had a big first down catch that helped you guys hang on to the ball at the end of the game. And, uh, you know, even when the offense had been struggling this game, how big was it to be able to hold on to the ball that entire last six minutes when it was so important? That was huge. You don't ever want to give the ball back that point in the game. And for us to struggle with runs early, we got some tough, gritty runs that Rashad made, and they made some great blocks. Cole Keith did a heck of a job in there, and we hung on to the ball for six minutes. That was outstanding. We're talking to head coach Todd Bowles. First shutout for the Buccaneers since 2010. Uh, first half shutout for the second time in three weeks. Uh, what has led to this in recent weeks, and what are you most proud of the defense for, maybe specifically in this game? Settling down, understanding the situation, and executing. You know, try to do too much last week, I thought. They executed. They played their positions. Everybody talked. The communication was great. And, you know, those guys play hard. They play hard. They play fast. And that's a proud unit over there. And I know that you guys also held them to 0 of 6 on third down in the first half. What was working so well there specifically? I had a few packages going that they weren't used to seeing and got some guys free and had some wrinkles, putting three outside backers and two inside backers and that type of stuff in the ball game, and it kind of threw them off a little bit. Uh, for our weekly Antoine Winfield Jr. appreciation segment, a <laughs> uh, pretty easy one for this game. Ta uh, take us through that play where he saved the touchdown with the fumble. Again, you've seen it earlier in the year. He did it against Atlanta. Uh, he did it again yesterday. Those plays are huge. You're not going to just shut somebody out without having people make two or three great plays on defense to preserve a shutout. And I know he also, that's his sixth forced fumble of the season, which now ties him with Bradley Chubb for the league lead. Uh, and it leads the NFL in fumble recoveries with four. And he's passed John Lynch for the most tackles in a single season by a defensive back in franchise history but didn't make the Pro Bowl. Figured I'd just give you a chance to, uh, I'm sure you've been asked about it a few times now, but to address the fact that what he's been able to do and the fact that we all have a little soapbox moment I'm sure we'd love to have about him not making the Pro Bowl. I'm just happy he's on my Pro Bowl team <laughs> and I'm happy he's leading us to the playoffs and he can get all his vengeance then. I like it. I like it. And uh, he also got his sixth sack of the season, uh, which also may have led to their missed field goal since it made it nine yards longer. So um, you could almost make the argument he single-handedly might have saved 10 points uh, on the game if you look at it that way. And uh, what did you see in terms of his ability to affect the game in, in so many different ways this year? His intelligence. I mean, his intelligence for the game, his versatility, you can put him anywhere and he's going to make a play. You can put him anywhere on the field and he's going to make a play. 
the things he has to do that we ask him to do and the study habits that he puts in and the effort he puts in to make those plays unbelievable during the week. And Yaya, another sack. Uh, tell us about that play. Yaya's coming into his own. You know, he's having fun. He's smiling out there. When he's smiling, you know, he's raring to go. Uh, he's coming into his own. He ran a stunt. I think it was with Vita. He came around the corner. And he, he's a lot faster than people think. I'm telling you, when he gets going, he, he's going to be a load. And uh, Joe also got a sack fumble that was recovered by Greg Gaines. Uh, such a massive moment in terms of the significance at the time of the game as well. Uh, take us through that play. Joe came around the edge. We had a blitz going up inside of him. He got to jump around the edge. He's a very athletic guy. He had length, and he did a good job knocking the ball out, not just getting the sack and hitting the quarterback. It's more important about getting the fumble recovery. We talk about that all the time when we go after the quarterback, and Joe played a very good ball game. Uh, Camarda, we knew, was coming off a game that was a bit of a struggle for him the week before, and then this time he ended up with a 74-yard punt, ties for the longest in Bucks history. He's got three of the four 74-yarders um, in team history. And then Chase McLaughlin's 57-yard field goal tied for his season and career long, his third 57-yarder in three tries this season. So uh, what have the two of those guys meant to you in, in specifically this game and, and the season overall? Well, Jake, most of the season, he's changed field position for us. He's gotten us out of some jams when we were backed up. He did an outstanding job at that chase. You know, he makes 50-yarders look like 30-yarders. And to kick that one and that win yesterday was big for us. And then uh, now you guys are preparing for your playoff game. Uh, and tell us about just kind of the keys in your mind to winning a playoff game, um, regardless of who you play. It's about being stout defensively, not turning the ball over offensively and being able to run it. And what stands out about the first matchup against the Eagles and then the way that knowing that they started their year 10-1, and one, they finished 1-5, and five, how do you feel like each team is a little bit different maybe than that first matchup or what can you take away from it? I know we're different. We were still finding ourselves at that point. Uh, they're very talented. They're still talented. We know they ran the ball on us pretty good the first time and they, we couldn't get anything going offensively the first time and we turned the ball over. We know we can't turn it over and we gotta do a better job in the run game. And what stands out about their uh, offensive and defensive fronts to you? Uh, huge, they're huge on offense up front. They're very good, they're very good zone blockers, very good man blockers, a lot of experience up there. Defensively up front, they're extremely talented all the way across the board from the ends to the D tackles to the linebackers. They're very talented they get after the passer. All right. Well, Coach, thank you so much for your time. As always, we appreciate it, and good luck this next week against the Eagles. Thank you. Coming up next on Buccaneers Total Access, we will have the voice of the Buccaneers, radio play-by-play -play announcer Gene Deckerhoff, brought to you by Advent Health. This is Buccaneers Radio. Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Advent Health. Pressure coming up the gut, and Pescott goes down. He's sacked for the first time of the game. Devin White. Linebacker blitz. Now more with head coach Todd Bowles and Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips. Welcome back into Buccaneers Total Access. First half of the show, we had head coach Todd Bowles, and now I am so excited to be joined by the voice of the Buccaneers, radio play-by-play -play announcer, Mean Gene Deckerhoff. Gene, thanks for being with us. Well, I don't know about the mean part. I'm real happy it's uh, 2024 <laughs> and the Bucks are in the playoffs, so I'm a very happy 
mean gene if uh you know um uh, jesse the body ventura gave me that name when we worked together on the buccaneer radio network in 1989 he called me mean gene mean gene and tj reeves every now and then throws that in too but uh yeah i'll, I'll live with it i'm a nice guy i'm, yeah. I'm not mean at all I, that's why two... we can call you that you know it's that you're just so the opposite Casey, I've got nine little fish in an aquarium. I've got two beautiful Yorkshire Terriers, one cat. I've got 10 Vandas that I bring into the to the house when it gets below 40 degrees. So, uh, yeah, I'm not mean. I'm not, You're not mean, mean. At all. Just a pleasant man, you know, and you got a lot of good stuff to talk about with yeah. this game, the season here. First, I just thought we'd start with this. So, you know, the Bucs, they, they lose Tom Brady, 80 million in dead cap space. People are picking him second to last in the league going into the season, last in the NFC South, they said. And instead, you finish with a winning record, third division title in a row for the first time in team history. How do you think the team got to this point? Why was this team made up in a way to overcome all of the, the doubters at the beginning of the year? Solid, steady coaching and outstanding work in the offseason by Jason Light and his staff in the front office. Uh, think about this, Casey. Uh, I'd like to go back and read those clips from August, you know, all, all the stuff that the writers are putting out there and the broadcasters about who's going to win the Super Bowl, who's going to make the playoffs, and what's going to be the biggest dub of, you know, flub of the year. And and uh, I'd like to read those things again and put it in perspective. But uh, uh, why do that? I mean, we, we know who we are, and this team knows who it is. And uh, by golly, they found a way to win football games. You know, uh, I, I look around the league and you see games. I mean, the year we went to the NFC championship game, 1999, and lost to St. Louis, I had forgotten that 45 to nothing woodshed whooping the Oakland Raiders put on us uh, about three days before. It was our only loss in like a nine-game run, and we made it to the NFC championship game. Uh, there are games like that. I know. Uh, golly, the year we won uh, 13 games, did uh, New Orleans not come in and uh, shut us out at Raymond James Stadium uh, with Tom Brady at quarterback? But but back to the steady coaching. You know, Todd Bowles has been around this league for a long time. He's worked with some great coaches, and uh, he assembled his staff this year, and I think that was important. You know, he kept a lot of the former staff, but he brought in some new guys, and uh, particularly an offensive coordinator getting his first chance at calling plays in the National Football League. So, you know, tip your hat. Todd Bowles knows football. He knows NFL football. And you're not looking for pretty wins out there. You're looking for a nine to nothing win to win a division championship. You know, you're, you're, you're wishing that you did not lose by two and the last in the closing seconds of a game in Houston uh, that you let Indianapolis off the hook. And you look back at those games and say, wow, those are those are games we should have won. But the steadiness of Coach Todd Bowles and this staff and staying with what they wanted to do, despite all the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune the media's throwing out, I think that's key to this season. And then back to Jason and, and his staff. You know, we do a – Casey, we do a building the Bucks, and you probably know this, and some of our fans probably listen to this in the pregame show, but we do building the Bucks with Jason Light. And every week we talk about roster moves, about acquisitions. We talk about draft choices and draft picks and their development. And – uh, uh uh, you got to think back to the offseason when uh, two free agents, I think, are critical to this division championship. And I may I may be leaving some folks out, but you can't overlook the signing of quarterback Baker Mayfield and the signing of place kicker Chase McLaughlin. I don't think without those two free agents playing in pewter and red, the Buccaneers would have won nine games in a division championship. 
Look at the, the 4,000 yards plus for Baker Mayfield. Uh, no, no other team wanted Baker Mayfield. 28 touchdown passes. That's the top five in the National Football League this year, uh, uh, including some key pass completions for winning football games. And then Chase McLaughlin, seven 50-yard or longer kicks in one season. His only misses were two block kicks and one at Minnesota and one at Buffalo. And uh, without those t- without those two guys, I tip my hat to Baker and to Chase because uh, without those two, I don't think we're in the playoffs. I'm glad they're with us. I'm glad they were pewter and red. Who knows what the future holds, but by golly, I like her chances of the playoffs. I completely agree. We're talking to Gene Deckerhoff, the voice of the Buccaneers, radio play-by-play announcer. Um, you mentioned Coach Canales coming in, new offensive coordinator this year. What did you see as the way that the offense grew throughout the season, that he as a play caller grew over the course of the year, and, and where we stand now with this offense going into the playoffs? Well, we knew going in it was a brand-new offense. Uh, it, it wasn't the no-risk-it-no-biscuit. It wasn't the Tom Brady offense. And believe me, that's the offense we ran the last couple of years. I, I, I think it was the Tom Brady offense because he was the man. But uh, this year, a brand-new offense, a new blocking scheme, a, mid, a mid-zone blocking scheme. I, I, I just announced touchdowns and first downs, <laughs> tackles made. and But uh, I, I don't quite wrap my hands around what mid-zone – blocking is because I never played offensive line, but it took a while for that to develop. And, uh, you know, the preseason, you only play three games now and uh, you've got to play a lot of players. You don't play your starters at all of us in the third game. So basically you're starting from ground zero in game one and uh, son of a gun, we go up to Minnesota and beat them. Uh, then we, we beat Chicago at home. We lose to Philadelphia on a Monday night. Then we go back and win at New Orleans. And all of a sudden the Bucks are three and one of the talk of the NFL. Then we hit that cloud. I mean, I've, you know, you talk about the cloud where things are hidden up there. I don't know whether, but we got sort of in a funk still trying to learn this offense and, and, and play NFL football. And uh, lo and behold, uh, we're going into the month of December, like we're going to finish last in the conference. Well, next to last, Carolina was going to be last. I think everybody could assume that. But uh, we we go into the month of December and we play championship football. It's like Jason Light would say on building the Bucks. It's it's playoff time. We began our playoffs on December third uh, when we played Carolina at Raymond James Stadium. Next week playoff game. Next week playoff game, and we went four in a row. We won five out of our last. Well, let's see, five out of our last six. And uh, we're playing cha- we're playing at a championship level. I don't care if they're ugly wins, if they're pretty wins. I said on the post game with Dave Moore, it was we closed out our broadcast in Carolina, Casey. I said, you know, if this was a painting, it would not be a Michelangelo, but it's a win on the National Football League, and that's exactly what it was. And so you can you can win ugly sometimes, you can win pretty sometimes. Probably the prettiest win we had this season was in New Orleans, uh, where we did not allow them to score a touchdown, just three field goals. We played basically flawless football. Baker Mayfield had a great game. Uh, and we saw some uh, uh, some unique plays called by uh, Dave Canales in that game. But we failed, you know, three and one going into the bye week. And then, I don't know, bye week, sometimes they help, sometimes they don't. But then uh, uh, the development of the running game over the last month of uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers football, I, I, I you know, I thought maybe, uh, and this is, I'm just kidding, and we're talking on the radio, and uh, I, I could kid a little bit, but I told Dave Moore, I said, maybe we're taking that kneel down to get back to the 12-yard line, and then we're going to hand the ball off to Rashad White so he can get 12 yards, which would put him over 1,000 yards rushing for the season, be the first since Doug, uh, uh, Doug Martin, 
2015. But uh, no, we didn't. We kneeled down, kneeled down. Then I'm reading the clip uh, on the on the way home of the New Orleans Saints scoring a touchdown in a kneel down formation, much to the chagrin of Falcon fans and uh, former head coach Arthur Smith. But uh, I, I said, you know what? I'm sort of glad we didn't hand the ball off to Rashad White. He'll get his thousand yards next year. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, I was going to bring up Rashad of the growth yeah. we saw in him his first year as RB1 and yeah. almost getting a thousand yards rushing, but then knowing what a huge party was of the pass game as well. Yeah. And just the offense overall this year, what did you see is how he started improving and just the way that coach Canales was able to deploy him. It's very, very seldom that a, a, a particular that position running back comes into the league and, and, breaks all kinds of records as a rookie. Uh, that's a very rare generational type running back. Saquon Barkley comes to mind, you know, and, and going back in the day, maybe some, uh, some, some, some other great running back, but, uh, uh, Barry Sanders may come to mind too. Barry Sanders, boy, I was so glad he retired. We used to play Detroit twice, and he would just wear out our Buccaneer defense. But those are those are generational players. But Rashad White drafted, um, and we knew coming in that he could catch the ball as well as run the ball because he was the first player, I think, in Arizona State history since the 40s to lead the team in rushing and in receiving. And I think that's what Jason Light in the front office liked about Rashad White. And I'm sure that the coaching staff said, you know, Todd said, yeah, we could use this guy in our offense. And so, uh, yeah, the development from year one to year two was, like you say, RB1. Last year he was RB1.5 maybe uh, with uh, with a big fellow rushing the football. But, uh, no, he has developed and developed. And uh, I'll take 1,500 scrimmage yards a year out of my running back every year, every single year in the National Football League. He's a great talent. And you know what? Knock on wood. Knock on wood. I know he got a shin injury on in the game against Charlotte, but uh, he is – he has been relatively. Uh, I'm not even going to go there. Okay, yeah, yeah. he's just. He has you just been. A, he has been available, Casey. That's yes. what I'm saying. And and okay. Dave Moore often says, "Your best ability is your availability." You've heard that before. Mm -hmm. And uh, he he has been the available running back for the Bucks. Yep, I, I like him. Agree. I like him. I, I like watching him play. I like him in interviews. I, I I like being around the guy. He's he's good people. Yes, I completely agree with that. And as you talk about yards from scrimmage, a guy that is pretty dang good at getting those is Mike. Evans, uh, 10th straight <laughs> thousand yard season. You've been here for all of them. Uh, what is it like to see him this season hit that mark and to look at his career, think about everybody he's done that with and just what it says about him and, and what he's meant to this franchise. He, uh, I'll tell you uh, what I, I really, really, really like the first two plays from scrimmage in Carolina. They were both darts to Mike Evans, two passes, first down. Both. Oh my goodness, Mike's going to have you know 150 yards receiver today. And remember, it was that same venue where we played at a year ago, and the very first time we had the ball, Mike was wide open and could not hang on to the ball. That was a not necessarily the reason why we didn't win, but it was certainly a difference maker because the Bucks would have jumped on the Carolina Panthers seven nothing on that. But then it, we go back to that venue and the very first two plays throw to Mike Evans and by golly he caught those two passes then I don't know why we didn't throw to him till the third quarter maybe it was early fourth but uh, no Mike Evans is a, a, yeah, he's a hall of famer Casey when he retires five years from then count it he'll be wearing a gold jacket in Canton Ohio uh, he has played at a tremendous level his entire 10 years he has surpassed everybody else I, I think he's got Jerry Rice uh, may have more 1,000 yard receiving uh, seasons than he does, and I think he's, I think he's maybe two or three shy of those seasons. I hope he plays another five years for the Buccaneers because he will break Jerry Rice's records, barring you know a setback or an injury. But uh, uh, Mike Evans and, and it, you know, 
Casey, you and I met when you first started with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and we did a show uh, prior to the uh, drafting of Jameis Winston. You, we did a show on Buccaneers.com, and uh, we invited Mike Evans, who had been drafted number one the year before, and that was the first time I met Mike Evans, and, and he was just a delight to talk to. Uh, he hasn't changed a whole lot. I, it's just incredible how a, a, a man at that position with uh, the credentials and resume that he presents, that he is as likable today as he was when he was a second-year guy with the Buccaneers. I, 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 I think Buccaneer fans will agree. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, you got to say, tip your hat to Mike Evans. He will be a Buccaneer Hall of Famer. He will join Leroy Selman. He will join Ronnie Barb. He will join Terry Brooke, John Lynch, and, 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 he will, and Tony Dungy, and he will be our next Hall of Famer. Yep, I could not agree more with that one. And then Chris Godwin, this game uh, went over a thousand yards as well uh, for the fourth time in his career, which breaks a tie with Joey Galloway and Vincent Jackson for the second most thousand yard receiving seasons in franchise history, trailing only, of course, Mike Evans. Uh, Fourth time in five years, he and Mike both hit a thousand yards in the same season. So tell me about the role you saw him play in this offense this year, playing, you know, slot outside, coming back from injury. And and even it seemed like at first, maybe we didn't notice that he was still playing at the same high level. And then he passes a thousand yards and you realize this is still, man, Chris Godwin performing such a high level. Chris Godwin, a Penn State alum, is by golly, he he may be the toughest on the team. I mean, you got to be tough to play in the National Football League. Remember, he bounced back from a severe knee injury two years ago. It happened late in the season, and he rehabbed. And and uh, we were all concerned when we opened the season against the Dallas Cowboys in, in 2022. Is Chris going to be able to go? And uh, he 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 began the season the way he had finished the season before the injury, uh, making big plays and uh, having had a great game against Dallas. So we knew that Chris was back. Uh, Different position this year, like you mentioned, not only is Chris playing a different, uh, well, it's wide receiver, but where they, where they locate the wide receiver. We, we, I don't think, I don't remember Mike Evans ever playing in the slot, but I see him in the slot a lot. And I don't remember seeing Chris Godwin wide uh, in that X position like he he has been this season. So new offensive scheme, new play caller in Dave Canales. And uh, you see the talent. I mean, back to thousand yard seasons for both of those guys. Uh, You look around the league. There's not many teams that have two 1000 yard receivers, let alone a guy that leads the league in uh, touchdowns. And with, I think Tyreek Hill got a, got a touchdown pass in the Dolphins game against Buffalo. But uh, I think that gives Tyreek 13, Mike has 13, and uh, that, by the way, uh, if he'd have gotten one more, but a new franchise record, which he owns, he owns all the he owns all the records. I mean, uh, he's you know next year and pewter and red now. I'm, I'm pewter and red. I'm, I'm <laughs> you can't see me. I'm crossing my fingers, Casey. But uh, uh, he will go over a hundred receiving touchdowns. He's getting up there right now. He's in the top ten, top eleven uh, career receiving touchdowns. And again, that's on his resume for future stardom and. Uh, having a, that, that 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 little statuette in Canton, Ohio. Yeah, it seems like if you're playing Buccaneers trivia, it's a good idea to answer Mike Evans or Chris Godwin. You're probably going to be right most of the yeah. time. Yeah. Um, we have... Jimmy, uh, we got to throw Jimmy Giles in there. Jimmy, Jimmy Giles, Jimmy, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready for the game against Philadelphia. You know, our first... Well, you know this, Casey. You know, you you and Scott do such a great job on all the stuff you do at, at Buccaneers.com. But I have to look this stuff up from time to time. But uh, in looking at the first, our first playoff game in franchise history was in 1979. We went from worst to first. And uh, Doug Williams and Jimmy Giles, they connected for a touchdown in our win over Philadelphia. Ron 
Ron Jaworski, who did before you started working for the Bucks, Ron Jaworski was our color analyst on our our preseason game. So I got to know Ron, and we used to always always kid him about uh, you know you couldn't beat the Buccaneers, but uh, uh, that was our very first playoff game. And uh, by the way, we're three and two against Philadelphia in play postseason play. And uh, hey, in about seven or eight days, we will be four and two. How about that? I like That's it. That's my prediction, huh? I like I'm sta- it. I'm taking away a bold prediction from Ronnie Lane. He always has those on the pregame. Ronnie, I'm stealing your prediction. That's my bold prediction. Bold Bucks prediction. will be 4-2 and two against Philadelphia after Monday night. I like it. Well, we have a quick break here, but coming up next on Buccaneers Total Access, we're going to have more from Gene Deckerhoff, brought to you by Advent Health. This is Buccaneers Radio. You're listening to Buccaneers Total Access with head coach Todd Bowles and Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips. Brought to you by Advent Health. Welcome back into Buccaneers Total Access. I am joined by Gene Deckerhoff, play-by-play announcer for your Buccaneers. And, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about the offense, but we definitely need to uh, mention the offensive line, that this was such a big storyline going into the year with it being a completely reworked line, you know, that you have all these guys either at new positions or new guys coming in. And for a group that is chemistry is so important. Um, and then you had a new coordinator and a new quarterback on top of all of that. There was a lot of question marks there. How have you seen them handle all of that change and to try to grow and build that chemistry to this point? Well, for for most of the season, Casey, the Buccaneers uh, ranked in the top five or six teams in protecting Baker Mayfield and, and sacks allowed as the stat. And all of a sudden, the last two ball games of the regular season, I think uh, New Orleans had six. Uh, Carolina, I believe, had three on Sunday. So that's nine in the last two games. So I don't know whether we're, we're running a different zone blocking scheme or other teams are getting they're, they're seeing on video something they can approach and attack. But uh, we need to protect Baker a little bit better. Uh, now, there's no way you could protect him on that late cheap shot that he got in the New Orleans game. I mean, he was rolling out and throwing a pass, and somebody popped him up. The honey badgers popped him in the ribs, so he's playing with sore ribs. But uh, need to protect Baker a little better. But to, to your point, this offensive line, just like uh, uh, just like this team has improved from game to game. You're going to have a you're going to have a glitch here and there. I mean, there's never going to be a 1972 Miami Dolphins team never again. Number one, they had the they they played home games in 90 degree weather and they're playing teams from the NF, the AFC East all the way up where it's, it's snowing from October on. So that was a definite home field advantage. The old Orange Bowl, I mean, was a snake pit. I hated that place, particularly when Florida State played the Miami Hurricanes. But 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 uh, then you were you were you weren't playing Monday night football. You weren't playing Thursday night football. You were playing Sunday night football. You were playing at one o'clock or four o'clock on Sunday afternoons. So you add all that in. I don't think I'm stretching it to say there will never be another unbeaten team in the national football. Although New England did it until they played for the Super Bowl and lost to the Giants, which was, uh, I think that's probably as close as the, but anyway, uh, I'll take nine wins every year and take a division championship every year as a Buccaneer broadcaster. But uh, the offensive line has gotten better. Uh, Cody Mock, remember, he's a rookie. It. <laughs> You just don't, unless you're Tristan Wirfs, you just don't jump into the National Football League and play at an all-pro level. And, uh, you know, if you had if you had five offensive linemen that were all Pro Bowl linemen, number one, that's never going to happen. But if you did have that, your quarterback would be the best of the league. And your running game would probably be in the one, two, or three in, in the league. So, uh, no, uh, Cody Mock, and I tell you, uh, 
There was a stat case here that I saw, and you may have seen this more recent, maybe an update. I don't have Jen's stat, uh, all this pro football. Fo- I don't I don't have that information. I like hearing about it from you. I like hearing about it from Scott on the podcast, the Salty Dogs thing. But uh, uh, And I make notes from that. But uh, uh, at one point, he was like the number eight or number nine right tackle in protecting in, as far as pass protection. And this is his first year of playing that position, although it was his position in college. So there has been improvement in Luke Getty maybe the scheme, maybe the position switch from guard, which is interior, to outside, which is tackle. But uh, that's tremendous improvement between rookie and second season. He can only get better. He will get better. I mean, that's if you want to play in the National Football League, remember it's the not-for-long league. You better get better year to year. And say your prayers too, okay? But uh, no, that right side of the line is developing. And the left side, Aaron Stenny, uh, nobody will, you know, people generally don't remember the names of offensive line. They should, unless, uh, they get uh, false start penalties every two or three snaps of the ball. Then you remember that guy's name because you're booing it. Okay. But, uh, Aaron Stenny, uh, sort of made a name for himself in the Super Bowl run. Uh, remember in 2020, the, the, great Super Bowl 55 run because he was pressed into duty of the playoffs because of injury. And by golly, we didn't miss a beat. In fact, we may have gotten better. And, uh, uh, then he got injured, and uh, now all of a sudden this year, due to an injury, he gets back into the lineup, and that left side of the offensive line between Stenny and Wirfs has been outstanding. And I think if if I was a coach and I had coaches film, and I had Jed Stats telling me, you know, every single time a quarterback picked his nose and we ran to the left, I don't know, but uh, which is what they have going on out there, I would bet you that our offensive uh, uh, yards per carry – uh, or yards produced by the passing game to the left side behind Wirfs and Stenny, and also Rob Hainsey. Don't forget Rob. But uh, I, I would think that uh, they would be better than the, going to the right. Rather, but, but those guys on the right, Malcolm rookie, Gedeke, a, a second-year player, they're going to get better. Uh, this offensive line, if it stays intact, is going to be, I think, among the top ten, maybe even better uh, as as time goes on. I hope so because that's that's where you win football games. Yeah, absolutely. We're talking to play-by-play announcer for the Buccaneers, Gene Deckerhoff. Um, I know Kate Otten definitely pressed into doing a lot for this offense this year. He's played dang near every snap, every game, all year, doing so much. Even when the stats don't always reveal it, he is out there all the time. What have you seen in the terms of for him, Co-Keefe, and just the way that Canales has wanted to use uh, the entire tight end room and what they've been able to to bring to this offense? Well, I like Co-Keefe's touchdown against Green Bay. That was a thing of one-yard touchdown. His first catch of the season is a touchdown at Lambeau Field. I'm I'm sure he kept that football because not many guys can say, I caught a touchdown pass at Lambeau Stadium against the Green Bay Packers. And hang on to that football, Coe. But uh, no, you know, Co-Keefe plays best teams too. Co-Keefe is one of the mainstays on our special teams. Josh Hayes, by the way, uh, with a tackle before he got hurt in Carolina, uh, he that was, he had a, a 13 and a 14th special team tackle, which would be the most special team tackles of the National Football League. Uh, and he's a rookie. Josh Hayes grew up in Lakeland. I mean, you got to, and his uncle, Gino, played football for the Buccaneers. What a great storyline. And I saw him, uh, we're taking the bags to where the, you know, the, the, the dog has to take sniff all the bags before you go to the bus and everything. And he was bringing his bag out about have, have a good day. And I, I swear he looks just like his uncle. I mean, there's a similarity is so true. But anyway, uh, Kate Otten. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's another tight end in the National Football League. I don't have all the stats, but uh, I don't think there's another tight end that plays uh, 97% of the snaps game in and game out. And, oh, not going wood, he has been – He's been available too all season long, and, and and he's got good hands, makes catches, and uh, what I like seeing about Kate Otten is when he makes the catch, 
it's going to take two or three guys to break him down. I mean, he's that he's that prototypical NFL tight end, and he's that that gainer that, that what do you have a 20, 19 yard, twenty catch, twenty yard catch against Carolina. That was a huge catch, by the way, as we're trying to run clock and win that football game. And uh, Kate Otten seems to come up with the right place. I got to give a shout out to a guy that uh, the only re- reason you know that he's on this Buccaneer football team has been the referee says number 77, number 77 is reporting as an eligible receiver. Now, who's number 77? Well, it's 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 Justin School. <laughs> I'm having dinner with my grandson in Charlotte, North Carolina at the team hotel, and I'm sitting right next to his mom, Christy. So Justin School, a shout out to you. He's our, she, she says, yeah, my son is the swing tackle for the Tampa Bay Buc- Oh, I, I said, School. She said, yeah, Justin School. And he came down after a meeting and then met with his mom and dad, and she said, this is your radio guy. And I said, touchdown, Tampa Bay. Yeah. He got a big grin out of that. But uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, special teams have been key this year, too. Uh, we mentioned uh, Chase McLaughlin. What a tremendous job. And, and 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 Jake Carmada, what a seventy-four year. He's got. Let's see the the school the school the franchise record for long longest punt is seventy-four yards. He has kicked two seventy-four yards. How the bookend seventy-four yard punts? Minnesota in a dome and outdoors in Charlotte, North Carolina on Sunday. And uh, I think he he may have an eighty-yard punt in his right leg. I I think we may see an eighty-yard punt one day. I hope he never has to punt again. To be honest with you, and the Bucks just score on every possession, like we did against uh, we scored on fourth Jacksonville. We scored on what five of our first six possessions. He didn't punt till the second half. Yeah, I like I like games like that. I I bet you Jake does too. Yes, I would agree with that for sure. All right, we're going to take another quick break here. Uh, We're going to talk about the defense, and we're also going to talk about this upcoming Eagles game in our final segment here on Buccaneers Total Access with Gene Deckerhoff, play-by-play of the Buccaneers. We'll be back in just a minute, brought to you by Advent Health. This is Buccaneers Radio. Buccaneers Total Access with head coach Todd Bowles now continues brought to you by Advent Health. It's time for our final segment here on Buccaneers Total Access. We are joined by Gene Deckerhoff, play-by-play voice of the Buccaneers. So we've talked a lot about the offense. we got to dive into this defense, especially after their shutout the other day. First one for the Bucs since 2010. So what stands out to you about that and knowing they've gotten first half shutouts in two of the last three games? Yeah, uh, uh, Tampa Bay's defense has been Probably. We've had some good offensive teams over the years, but defense, you look at our ring of honor and you look at the Hall of Fame members. The, uh, let me see. Is there an uh, uh, is there a offensive player from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? No. I'm, unless I'm severely mistaken, Barber, Lynch, Brooks, Sapp, uh, uh, Leroy Selman, and then, of course, one of the greatest defensive minds in the history of the NFL, Tony Dungy, was our head coach. But those are the Hall of Fame members from this team, and they were all defensive players. So basically this franchise has been, well, our very first draft pick going all the way back to 1976 was Leroy Selman. I mean, we drafted, you know, John McKay knew what he was doing, didn't he? The late, great uh, John McKay. But, uh, yeah, so so deep in, in, in this year's defense, well, uh, you know, Todd Bowles is a defensive coach. I mean, he 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 built his resume being well. He, number one, he was played played defensive back in the college for at Temple for Bruce Arian. He played in the National Football League safety uh, in his career. He's coached those positions, and uh, and now he's the head coach. 
So you would think, well, you know, Tony Dungy was a defensive coordinator before he got the head job. The point I'm making is defense has always been a huge part of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, particularly when it comes to having successful seasons. Leroy led the bunch that went from worst to first from 76 to 79. And then, uh, you know, Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks and Rondi and John, uh, Jimmy, uh, uh, oh, golly, well, it's uh, Simeon Rice. Those were the players that built that championship team that won Super Bowl 37. So, yeah, defense. So you look at this year's defense and, you know, 45 quarterbacks. That's going. Cool. Now we have 48 now because we had three against uh, uh, Carolina. That's among the top five teams. Of the, and, and, you know, that's not – I know we played 17 games. The franchise record case, and you know this, but our audience may not know, there's 55 sacks. Now you had you had, had Simeon Rice and Warren more Sapper there, and that's as good a defense as you can have. In fact, Simeon should be in the Hall of Fame. By the way, so I agree with Scott Smith. Simeon Rice should be in the Hall of Fame. Fifty-five is the franchise record for quarterback sacks. Uh, I thought we might have a chance to get there. Uh, let's see, we did not sack Carr uh, at New Orleans. I thought if we got two or three there, we'd have a shot. But hey, I'll take forty-eight sacks, the top five finish in that category. Uh, defense against the run has always been the fort. I used to say forte, but I've been corrected. It's the fort with an accent mark over the e at the end. Uh, that that uh, uh, d- defense stops the run, you win football games. And the fort of the Buccaneers has always been, in fact, three, four years, we led the league in defense against the run. And then all of a sudden, now you look at the stats, 110, 112, 100, you know, giving up 100-yard. We've only given up two 100-yard rushing games uh, to two players, I believe, this season. Uh, I was worried that Chuba, Chuba Hubbard just hates us, I guess. He has three 100-yard games, and one of them's against us last year when they beat our brains in in, uh, in Bank of America Stadium. But uh, no, but quarterback sacks, uh, Shaq Barrett uh, coming back off injury and and, and, and off of a uh, you know, family tragedy. Uh, I know he'd like to have at least four or five more sacks. Joe Tryon Sharienko, that may have been the defensive player of the game when he strip sacked uh, Brian Young or, uh, in the, in Bryce, uh, in the uh, game against Charlotte the other day. Uh, but when it comes to defense in the secondary, I'll tell you what, you got to go back a long, long time to find a player that plays at the level that uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. plays at. And he demonstrated that again uh, Sunday afternoon. Uh, his his forced fumble at the one-yard line may be the game-changing play, at least at that point in the game. They would have been up 7 nothing, I think. But uh, that was a tremendous – and he has those hustle plays. And you, you know there are players with talent, and then there are players with talent and hustle. And he has that combination. It's very rare. I mean, uh, generally, if, if if you've got great talent, it's God-given. We know that. Uh, you go out there, do your thing, fine. But with God-given talent and the hustle that he brings to the game of football, uh, you know, he continues to play at the level. I told you earlier in this broadcast that Mike Evans is going to be our next uh, Hall of Fame recipient put that gold jacket on. If A.W., let's say A.W.J., one of the callers to Salty Dogs or email, right? Call A.W.J. Who's A.W.J.? Antoine Winfield Jr. That's like J.T.S., Joe Tryon, Soyeka. Uh, I don't know if I'm ready to say A.W.J., but but uh, the, the level he's played at, I mean, that's second. He's he's the second coming of Rondi Barber. Tell Rondi I told you that. Well, he may be listening to this thing, come to think, Casey, but uh, right now, of course, he plays a different position. He's played safety, and Rondé played that slot corner and cornerback position and, and well deserves that gold gold jacket. But I'll tell you this, Winfield Jr., 
he is playing at that level, if he continues, there's not going to be many that will, will finish their careers good as he is. And I'm, I'm not begrudging our corners. Uh, Zion McCollum made me, made me, made me get some special honor because I think he's played more snaps than either Jamel or Carlton because of the injuries to Jamel and Carlton, but he's been forced to play two different corner positions. Now I'm not an expert, never played the position, but Casey to me, if you play on the left side, and then you have to switch to the right side. Uh, it's like changing your golf swing from left to right. I would well, they made that argument about moving Tristan Worth from right tackle. That didn't seem to. Somebody said that was like you know, you know, changing from hitting a golf ball from the right hand to the left. And there are other expressions that I heard. I won't repeat here. But uh, uh, that he made that transition. But uh, for Zion to do what he does, he, and remember, Zion also plays special teams quite a bit. He's he's part of the special teams group. So, uh, uh, yeah, he's a football player. And uh, I think Justin Light in the front office, uh, they, they they saw in him what he's developing into as a as a football player in the National Football League. So, yeah, secondary solid. And, hey, but do, do the Buccaneers not have the best linebacker tandem in the National Football League? Do they not have the best linebacker tandem in the National Football League? Devin White. And uh, Levante David, Levante David, 181 games uh, this past Sunday. And and you know what? Uh, T.J. Reeves, T.J. does a tremendous job as a sideline reporter. I know he's 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 fed the injury thing and you got to report it and you got to sponsor to it. But his observations on the sideline, uh, Levante, remember, had the collision with Kalijah. Uh, there in the fourth quarter, and he had to go to the sideline. They both went uh, to the sideline. And Bobby Slater, what a tremendous job he does as our head athletic trainer. But uh, all of a sudden, here's Levante. I mean, he's, what's Levante? 32 going on 33, 12 years of the National Football League, uh, senior leader on the team. We're going to the ball game. He doesn't have to go back in, but TJ made this comment. He said he wants to play for a division championship, but he wants to be on that field. And he was. And they celebrated, and they went to that locker room, and and uh, I'd love to have been in the locker room. I had to go catch a plane to fly home, and uh, I, I, Casey, I, I, I know you probably got it, but uh, I'd have loved to have seen the celebration. I'm gonna look at the videos uh, shortly and and and, and see uh, what went on in there, but I can imagine the excitement in there. And Levante David had to be probably the proudest Buccaneer of all. I completely agree. He has earned every accolade he could get. Just one of the best. He and Antoine both just been incredible to watch on this defense. We're talking to Gene Deckerhoff, Buccaneers play-by-play voice. And uh, I would love to talk about, especially the future of this defense too, looking at Yaya Diaby and yeah. Clyde Cancy, wow. you know, how high up they've been leading the rookies of uh, all across the NFL in terms of tackles for loss, sacks, those stats. The two of them just have to make you really excited about the future of this team. Yeah. You know, uh, here I am, the big, Big name, big name dropper, Casey. And I, I had to throw out Levante and Devin and, and very obviously Antoine Winfield Jr. So I'm a name dropper, okay? But those three those three are outstanding NFL players. But I, 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 I need to mention, and I'm glad you mentioned Yaya. Uh, he moves into, what, second place all time and in, in rookie uh, sack uh, sack leaders in a bucket of uniform. And uh, uh, he did it the old-fashioned way. He just got better and better and better. And he was available for, uh, I think, every game. And uh, uh, he, he made not only just in sacks, but in uh, thrown for lost tackles. I believe he's among the leaders in the National Football League in thrown for lost tackles, and so is Kalisha Kansi. Those are two rookies. What a tremendous draft class that, that Jason and, and the front office put put together. I mean, uh, let's say Yaya was a third round. Uh, Cody Mock was a second round. And then Kalijah obviously, was was our number one pick in, in, the, in the 2023 draft. But, uh, yeah, it's a young defensive line. Let me – you know – Statistically, when you look at the stats, and I put them down on, on on my little depth charts that I work with, uh, you say Logan Hall. I don't, I don't. He doesn't have many stats, but when I look at video, 
I see big number 90 all over the field, harassing quarterbacks, chasing down running backs, and he may not make the tackle, but he's been a factor in this defensive line, and he's just a second-year player. So you line up uh, – uh, oh, and, oh, the biggest the biggest name in that defensive line belongs to the biggest man in that defensive line, and that's Vita Vea. Don't let Vita step on your toe, Casey, because you will never walk again. But <laughs> for, for most two-thirds of the season, he led us in sacks, and he's a nose tackle. Uh, and, and he made a tackle the other day. I don't know how the guy got up. I mean, he just, it was a bear, bear hug crush. Boom. We need to get more takeaways. We started to get some takeaways. We had two in the game against Carolina after not getting a takeaway against New Orleans. Uh, that's the one next step for the defense. Improve the sacks, get say at the same level. Uh, don't let big, big splash plays, you know, and uh, uh, harass that quarterback and uh, force takeaways. We're a plus. We went to the game of plus six. We had two. We're a plus eight now, and that's in the top three or four in the National Football League. So I like the way the defense plays. I like that. All right, well, then let's close out with this. We got to talk about this Eagles matchup a little Ooh, bit. Yeah, let's we talk. Already, we already Cry won. Eagles. What is it? Cry Eagles. Cry. Oh, no, it's flood. Cry Eagles. I saw that on a little a little, uh, uh, little message board the other. Cry Eagles. Cry. Oh, uh, my right, well, God. Well, let's okay. talk. That's what's yeah, happening. Yeah. So, I mean, they start the season 10-1, and one, but they finish 1-5. and five, So, obviously not – doing the same things that they were maybe early in the season when the Bucks faced them that first time. So tell me how you think this could be similar or different this time around. Yeah, they, they only won by, what, two touchdowns. And it wasn't, you know, we gave up that one big splash play, a former Atlanta Falcon, Zacchaeus Olameda. But for some other, there's a breakdown. I think we had an injury to one of our corners, and the communication was not there. I think Coach Bowles addressed that in his post-game press conference. But uh, we had a, a communications issue. They scored the big splash play. That gave them a two-score lead, and we never really recovered from that. And, oh, by the way, Philadelphia is a really good football team, particularly when Jalen Hurts is at full speed and 100% healthy and, and doing his thing. But uh, the running back they have that was the former Detroit Lion running back, I mean, he ran right through us. A.J. Brown, just uh, we, we, he leads the – the league or it did at that time and i think this is still true leads the league in yards after catch and when he makes a catch and you try to tackle the guy he does a little pivot move or thing. next thing you know he's got 10 more yards or 11 more yards and he kept moving the sticks moving the sticks and then alameda made that dead gum touchdown grab but uh it was a closer game than a final score and the bucks were playing good football we were what we were two and oh when we played them it was a battle of unbeaten it was a monday night how ironic the National Football League says, you know what? These guys played on Monday night in September. Or let's play on Monday night in January. So here we go. Um, Bucks versus the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, we are on the series advantage. Uh, they took the series advantage nine to eight with that win, uh, the regular season win. That was tied at eight eight going into that game. But the Buccaneers own the series edge in postseason, three wins to two losses. Now it's a season of, of, of in the scene setter. And I'm probably not making a whole lot of sense to our radio audience, but a scene setter is when you start the broadcast on the network. And I always script it out. It runs about a minute, minute 20. And I always, you know, go go bucks, fire them cannons. I can't wait till toe hits leather. And, and uh, that's just my shtick. But uh, uh, in the scene setter for last week, the Buccaneers were right, were, had won four of their last five. Carolina had lost four of their last five. And all of a sudden, some of us, I could just almost use the same scene setter, huh? The <laughs> We're playing for all the marbles of the wild, super wild card weekend. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are, have won four, five out of the last six, while the Philadelphia Eagles have lost five out of the last six. Yeah. I see the Buccaneers having a decided advantage home field. Uh, secondly, uh, we have played them before, and they sort of, you know, they beat us, so it's our turn. And uh, third, 
I think our team is going to be, well, I, I, I've got to wait till the end of it, but I believe, I believe there were no injuries reported, at least on the Associated Press game summary of our game. So hopefully that's the case. Uh, invariably, there's always something that doesn't get reported. And then all of a sudden, midweek, you find out, well, golly, he's out, you know, but, but uh, knock on wood, I think our team is going to be as healthy as it was against Carolina. Uh, and that team was healthy enough to win a division championship. And I think if we have that health, we have the home field. I think Baker Mayfield is ready to prove to the football world that he is the man. And uh, I know this, that, uh, that some of those senior, those veteran leaders, uh, Levante David, uh, Mike Evans, uh, you got to throw Baker in there because, well, he's, golly, he's, what is he, 27 years old? 20, he's not 28, is he? I don't think. Uh, but some of those, uh, some of those veterans that have worn the pewter and red, they really want to have, an, uh, uh, they've got a bad taste in the mouth after the last year when Dallas came in and they, they Dallas embarrassed us and uh, we're not going to, I don't think this team will let that happen again. I like it. Well, Gene, we'll be excited to listen to you and Dave Monday night. You guys do just the best job. Y'all are both such awesome people and so good at your jobs. And we're just so happy to have you as part of the Buccaneers family. And thank you so much for spending time with us here on this show. Well, Casey, I have said touchdown Tampa Bay 1,252 times. So touchdown Tampa Bay, fire them cannons. That's 1,253 times. Just for you, Casey. I like it. Looking forward forward to many more. Well, thanks to all of you guys for being with us here on Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Advent Health. This is Buccaneers Radio.